Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to Utah, part of the Torn by Sports and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Providing unbiased opinions on all things Utah football and basketball. Welcome to this edition of the Utah Podcast. As always, I'm Grant, and joining me today is Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? You know, it's a good day. It's uh, we're, we're a couple days away now from the championship game, and, and uh, you know, it's December. We're playing for a Pac-12 championship and the right to go to the playoffs. So, I mean, couldn't be any better. Yeah, no, legitimately playing for a, for a chance at the playoffs awesome. I don't think any Ute fan is complaining about how the season has gone, but um, we will obviously be talking a lot of football later. Um, it's also a game day for Utes playing BYU, which we'll talk a little bit about, but um, just to give you guys a heads up of what we're going to do, we got some quick hitters. We're going to go over the schedule, um, talk some brief news events. Uh, then we're going to get into the college football rankings. Uh <laughs> What uh, Mr. Feinbaum from uh, ESPN said about Utah, uh, we'll get into some other things there, and then we will review the game that was in Colorado, and then get on to looking at Oregon in the conference title game on Friday. So, without further ado, let's talk about what's up on the schedule. So, first up, Utah plays BYU at the Huntsman Center tonight, 6 p.m., uh, so tune in, go up to the Huntsman, share on the Utes. Remember, <laughs> they, it's a young basketball team, um, and the Utes are going to be a roller coaster ride. So it'll be interesting to see what version of the Utes we get tonight. Uh, women's basketball is playing Oral Roberts tomorrow at the Huntsman Center at 7 p.m. Uh, track and field is at the Weber State Winter Open on Friday. Volleyball. Um, is in the NCAA tournament on Friday at 4 p.m. in Provo playing the University of Illinois. Um, also, while we're on that note, I'd like to give a shout-out to Coach Lanier. I uh, apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. She won Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Um, so, the, I mean, they've had a really good season and are now into NCAA tournament play. Um, and then, uh, of course, Friday is the Pac-12 title game in Santa Clara, 6 p.m. Mountain on ABC. Um, as a note, the other quick-hitting note for football is that uh, Morgan Scali got named as a uh, one of the five finalists in the Broyles Award. So congratulations, Coach Scali. I'm really, you know, crossing my fingers that we aren't going to lose Coach Scali to a head coaching opportunity. Um then going on into this weekend, their men's men's and women's swimming and diving is having the Utah Invitational at 6.30 p.m. Um, this weekend, uh, this year. And then the men's basketball team is also playing Central Arkansas on Sunday. Um, so 
there's that as well. Uh, so plenty to go on, plenty to go watch if you want to support the youths here locally. Um, to all of you that traveled out to the Pac-12 title game, props to you. I'm a little jealous. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we are. Yeah, there's plenty going on. Um, it's amazing this time of year. For sure. Um, all right. So now that we got that over with, um, let's go into the college – Let's just do the hype train. Let's talk about what's going on there. So um, college football rankings hit last night on Tuesday night. We were recording Wednesday. Um, and the youth jumped up to five with the Alabama loss. Uh, to me, that was great news. I don't know. What did you think, uh, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, if, if I wouldn't – if I had just gone to Twitter first, I would have thought that we got jumped by Oklahoma. Um I thought it was great news. The fact that Oklahoma played a ranked team last week and won, and Utah played a uh, team with a losing record and won, and Utah still was ahead of Oklahoma. That that that's a big win. Um, obviously, the committee is valuing valuing Utah um, and what they've done throughout the season uh, over what Oklahoma is doing. So, I mean. Huge news. Obviously, they have to take care of business Friday, but I'm I'm of the the, the belief that if, if if Utah takes care of business Friday, and as long as LSU holds off Georgia and the SEC championship, then Utah should be in. I I don't I mean unless it's some really ugly game and and maybe Oklahoma goes out and trashes Baylor, that would be the only exception. I think um, as long as Utah rules and uh, takes care of business and and Oklahoma or sorry LSU takes care of business. Utah should be in. So, great news overall. Uh, if there was a week for Oklahoma to jump Utah, it would have been this past week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was exactly what we wanted to see. And uh, I know they said on the show that that, that five, um, you know, five, six, seven range uh, with, with Utah, Baylor, and Oklahoma was kind of the most talked about um, in their decision-making. And, and it's, as it should be, that's those three teams are really close, um, you know, but it's Utah got the benefit of the doubt. And if there was a week for Oklahoma to jump Utah, it would have been this past week. So I'm super excited to see that Utah moved up to fifth and was not jumped by Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm still horrified that Oklahoma could jump. I mean, that's a, a top, a top 10 matchup in the big 12 title game. Thanks a lot, Oregon. That's what Pac-12 title game was supposed to be. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you. I think this puts Utah in the driver's seat. I do think that Utah is going to have to do more than just win. I think they're going to need to have that the Pac-12 title game kind of on lockdown um, to be able to hold off Oklahoma or Baylor, who are sitting right behind them, sniffing at the heels. Um, but I do appreciate the the playoff committee, at least, is giving Utah some credit because if uh, you are – uh, ESPN fan Paul Feinbaum uh, said this. He said, let's be honest. The country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. I'm sorry. I mean, it's Utah. And <laughs> I, I mean, one, I will appreciate the bulletin board material. So I can tell you right now, the whole Utah football team knows about this statement. Um, I, 
I guarantee you, if they don't know yet, they will know. Like, it's there. That's totally on the bulletin board. As the Utah football social media team tweeted out, thanks for the bulletin board material. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm Crystal Wall in Oregon, I'm pissed. Like, how dare Feinbaum fire up the youth any more than they need to be? Um, but I just can't believe that level of disrespect, personally. Like, I know Feinbaum's such an SEC apologist, but you play, like, smack-you-in-the-mouth kind of football that last time I checked was what the SEC was all about. Like, how, how is it that the SEC people can't respect Utah? Like, come on. Isn't this the brand of football you want to watch? Yet now they're apologists. I, you know what? I came to this conclusion earlier was that Feinbaum's just worried that if Utah makes it into the CFP, they're going to embarrass another SEC school in a, a huge football game like they did to Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. That's yeah. the only conclusion I could come to. Yeah, I, I think I think he is – I mean, he is such a hack for the SEC. It's unbelievable. I think he is so afraid, you know, because Utah broke into the BCS in 2004, ruined their system for him, right? Now, <clears throat> ever since then, you know, as long as you were a group five team and you were at a certain rank, you were getting in. So Utah broke the system there. This system has been so favorable – the playoff system has been so favorable to the SEC – that, you know, no matter what really happens on SEC championship game, they're getting somebody in every year. Uh, they've gotten two teams in in the past. So to have Utah come in and break the system, so to say, uh, again, I think I think it scares them. I think, uh, you know, it, it, I think he's worried. I think he's the proponent that he doesn't want anything more than a four-team playoff system. And, uh, you know, the more stuff like this happens, um, the more, you know, I think we're going to be able to get the, you know, the, the conversation going into the right direction for having a, 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 a more team playoff, six, eight, whatever you want. And so I think he's scared. And I, he's just, he's pissed that Alabama is at its lowest ranking of the college football playoff era. And so it, it's, you know, it, he's hurt. So yeah, it's, thanks for the bulletin board material. We appreciate it. And uh, he's so wrong on so many, as so many national people have gone and grabbed that tweet and, and added their context to it as well. And they said, no, you know, you're wrong. Like, we want to see Utah. We want to see if they're good. Who knows? They might get in and get smashed up with you know, Ohio State, and maybe they don't even have a chance. Or maybe they don't even come and, and, and score or whatever, whatever it may be. But you've got to give them a shot. And to say that Oklahoma, people would rather see them, at least they'd look better. Come on, give me a break. Oklahoma would do nothing more than Utah would do. Oklahoma's defense is so bad that it wouldn't even be close. At least Utah has a defense that can go in there and maybe hold down a Ohio State or an LSU and give them a fighting chance. That's not to be said with Oklahoma. And sure enough, Baylor's not the same either. So, yeah, it's it, it's funny that he's so so against Utah getting in. You know, that outside of the the South, nothing out here in the West exists for these for these SEC people. And and so yeah, I. I would love it if, if, if my, in my vision, Utah takes care of business, they get in the playoffs, they somehow shock the number one team in the playoffs, and they interview Kyle Whitting after the game, and he just says, thanks. Thanks, Paul Finnebaum, for your, for your motivation or something like that. That would be a dream. I would just die. <laughs> so hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed. We can see it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a oh I mean, 
I mean, I don't know. The video was flying around of, of Whittingham and how he didn't like that, uh, was it Glenn, when he was coaching Wyoming, uh, guaranteed a victory against Utah. And then, you know, Utah ran up the score on him. So uh, I have no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I would love that it gets, if it gets mentioned. I don't think it will, but I can no. guarantee you Whittingham's going to see. Get, Whittingham's a little bit – I think he's uh, – changed a little bit since the last time he called someone out for the the talk that they were throwing down. But, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> – I cannot wait to – I mean, honestly, like, we're going to start re- previewing Oregon and you look at it, like, statistically and everything, like, at least from what my eyes are seeing and my understanding, this game should be pretty darn close. Um, and it's going to be a competitive game – and then he he gives Utah this motiva- motivation material. Like, literally, if I'm Crystal Ball, I'm texting him right now, like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's even, he's even like, I've seen a lot of BYU fans comment on it, and, like, they pissed off our, you know, our arch rival BYU and their fans, and they're even defending us. So, you know you've done something wrong if, if – you know, you're getting some BYU fans taking our back in this situation. So yeah, yeah, he hit a whole nother level when it, that happens. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. He's yeah. I would. I hope that he. Gets, I, apparently, he's taking calls today at three o'clock. So I hope we get some U fans that call in and just harass the crap out of him. That would be, you know, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so we'll, let's keep our eyes out for that. <clears throat> so it's Utah's the best reasoning you've got. That's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? I hope fans do give them, you know, harass them a little bit. We got to give a shout out to the fans. From all reports I've seen, the fans were there for Senior Day against the Colorado game, which uh, is awesome. So, shout out to the fans for doing that. Um, yeah. But before we get into that Colorado game, there's one more thing to uh, take into consideration, which is uh, PFF released their all conference teams. Yes, and I know. I mean, hopefully you guys saw um, the the all Pac-12 football first team defense nominated by University of Utah. They had seven guys on this team: uh, Bradley and I, John Tennessee, Mikey Fotu, Francis Bernard, uh, Julian <clears throat> Julian Blackman, uh, Jalen Johnson, and Terrell Burgess. All on the list. Uh, or, Oregon had two, uh, and Die and Holland, and then. Uh, Washington had Molden and Rashad Jr. Rashad Jr. from Oregon State was on the list as well. And then for uh, first-team offense, uh, three youths were on it. Uh, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss were both first-team, uh, along with Brent, Brent Keithy, who uh, has just been on a whole other level recently. So Utah had three, I think, Oregon had three in Sewell, uh, Lemieux, uh, Throckmorton. I don't know if that's how you say it. Uh, but I think, yeah, between them and USC, USC had two. Yeah, they had, uh, Utah tied for the most on, on offense as well. So pretty awesome. You know, this is based off of how they grade out, um, every game. This is not based off of, you know, the AP media who, you know, that has their own personal – this is graded how NFL scouts would grade this, you know, these teams, and Utah has has dominated in, in both categories. So really, really cool stuff there. 
Totally, uh, totally agree. It's awesome to see this team recognized, especially those seniors that are on there. Um, and yeah, I mean, Keithy, talk about, I mean, so look, the, the game against Colorado it was the slowest start since the ASU game. I mean, that ASU game started off real ugly, um, with three possessions and no points. Uh, I believe two of which were like fumbles. And then you come into this game against Colorado and the three first three possessions, including one off of like a muffed punt, end up being a uh, punt right back to Colorado. But the the youth were able to get it under control and end up taking. I mean, they scored I think somewhere I think 24 straight points at one point before Colorado scored again. Um, so uh, you know, regardless of the slow start and unfortunately allowing touchdowns at Rice Eccles for the first time in the second half, I believe it is. Um, the uh, the youth were pretty dominant against Colorado. Yeah, I mean, they they, they started slow. Um, you hear Tyler Huntley's words after the game were, you know, so Tyler Huntley, you know, I love it how he's just, yeah, he, do you see how cold it was? Do you see the, the degree? Yeah. You know, he, he, he laughed about it and, yeah, that was a slow start. I think we saw, I think, you know, as Mel Tucker said in his halftime comment saying that we saw Utah's best shot, I literally think we saw Colorado's best shot in that first half. They were moving the ball um, fairly well, and and, uh, and Utah was able to, um, you know, took them a little bit to get going, and then they turned it on. You know, it's it's what we've seen Utah do. They they, they Any points they usually given up, they give up early in the first part, and then they make the adjustments, and, and they come out and, and then kill them the rest of the, the rest of the game. Um, yeah, I think we, it was a combination of, of I think there was some pressure. I think they knew uh, Alabama lost, and I think uh, you know being in prime time, I think it just took them a minute to get going. And uh, and they once they eventually did, there was no doubt that Utah was going to walk away with that. Um, really impressed with as we talked about, Brand Keithy was unbelievable. Um, you know, his name just being called again and again and again. And, and, you know, they, they, they expressed, they exposed that in the Arizona game. And somehow Colorado wasn't prepared. You got to think Oregon's preparing for it. But, uh, you know, I bet Ludwig will, will find more ways to get him involved. And, and there's different things they can do off of that. So, yeah, the, the game was a little slow to get going, but Utah turned it on when they needed to. We got some action in the special teams. Uh, with the punt return, which was, you know, the first one was, was, was hit right out of his hands because he didn't call fair catch and then he goes ahead and returns one. So that was exciting to see for the first time and I feel like forever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an awesome performance and, and, uh, they were able to do it. And yeah, this team's been so fun to watch and it's going to be, it's going to be sad not to be able to see him at Rice Cycles anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. They- the the hard part for me watching that game were was the officials. And I'm sure plenty of people have complained oh. about them, but I, I must vocalize my opinion. I mean, this is the A the Utah on A B C. Like this is the the premier spotlight game for the Pac twelve last week. And I don't know how they determined the officiating crew that was there, but I think they chose incorrectly. I mean the the officiating crew was horrible. They robbed Utah of a safety um, when the line of scrimmage was practically the end zone, and somehow the holding happened outside of the end zone. I just don't even yeah. know 
how how that call happens. It's, it's like so immediately upon snapping the ball, apparently the whole Colorado line must have been holding because that's the only way it could have been a holding call. Not in the it, that was frustrating. And then you have the unsportsmanlike conduct calls, which are offsetting two against Colorado, two against Utah, one against Colorado. Uh, one of the players in Utah was li- like Nurse, who got called for one, wasn't even really involved in the play at all. Like as no. far as any of the <clears throat> afterwards scuffle, he literally was walking Utah players back. Like so, how <laughs> he got a call, I don't know. And then you had two Colorado players, neither of which got mentioned in a for the flag through punches. Like I just don't even know what what was going on. I mean, granted, I will say of all of the Colorado games I've watched, this has this was definitely the chippiest one that to me felt like maybe that Rumble in the Rocky Rumble in the Rockies moniker of a rivalry game, maybe it will come to fruition. I don't know that I'm ready to say it yet because, you know, that game's got to mean more. Colorado needs to be a more competitive team before I think it's really a rivalry. But uh, nonetheless, there was definitely some bad blood on the field. Maybe it was the 28-and-a-half spread that the Utes beat or, or covered that had made the Colorado players so angry. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I'll just say this with officials, and I just wanted to get my two cents in. I, I understand that their job is hard. I get it. It's right. no one, it's not, it's a thankless job. However, <clears throat> when you are, you're getting paid thousands and thousands of dollars. These guys, this is a, they, they live a good life being a college official. This is not criticizing high school officials who make $30 a game. That is not what we're doing here. We're criticizing people who this is their profession. They make a living off this and a very well-off living doing this. And the fact that they got that much stuff wrong is horrendous. The offsides on the punt alone was ridiculous. That guy was a full half-yard offsides when that happened. And I'm not, you know, I, I hate to criticize officials because I know they make mistakes. It is hard. <clears throat> but they have so many out there that have an area that they're watching to miss those things they miss, that's the part that is just so mind-boggling to me. How do they do that? You know, how does that happen? And so, yeah, I don't care. I'll criticize officials at this level. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to criticize, you know, junior jazz officials or, or that. That's a whole other thing. Those guys are volunteering at the thankless shop. These guys make a living off of it, and they are paid to do it right, and they miss so many easy, blatant things. It was unbelievable. So I hope that we don't see that crew in Santa Clara on Friday, and hopefully it's a different one. And, and to the to the aspect or to your to the rivalry context, yeah, I think this Mel Tucker. I think hats off to Mel Tucker. I thought what he said at halftime was dumb, but you can see a fight with this team, this Colorado team that we didn't see in years past. That would probably just rolled over. I think he has them going in the right direction, and I'm sure he used the 28 point spread. Everybody not giving him a shot as a little bit of motivation, and uh, and I'm sure you know when you get beat time and time again with that Utah front seven as that offensive line was doing. And, you know, Lecky folks who going through and on a dead ball and making sure he touched Steven Montez and let him know he's there. I'm sure that was rubbing that offensive line wrong. And so they just wanted to make sure that they let him know. And so, yeah, I, I you know, maybe, maybe we'll see, start to see a little bit of a rivalry, but if not, you, you just see what Mel, what, what Mel Tucker's doing with them. And, 
and I think they got a good coach there for them, and uh, and it looks like they should be on the up and up, I would imagine, uh, going forward. So, yeah, <laughs> that was my thoughts on those two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how how good their depth is as far as upcoming talent to replace, you know, senior quarterback and then their playmaker, LaVisca LaShalt, who, um, you know, he's pretty much shut down. But, you know, there's some big losses, so it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I agree with you. You know, Tucker's definitely got them going the right direction. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think the game was exactly as we expected um, and gave the youths – there was a big enough win that kept the youths in the five spot, which is all I really cared about in that game, which yep. then the youths win that game. They had to win that game so that they could be in the Pac-12 title game, which they are on Friday. I'll just say it one more time, 6 p.m. Mountain on ABC. The, you know, Herb Street and crew are going to be here to call the game. So – now let's look at this Oregon game. So, um, what? I mean, I don't know. Where do you even start? Like this, I think this, these are clearly the two best teams in the conference playing against each other, right? Yeah, easily. This is what the Pac-12 wanted, right? You wanted they didn't want to see USC in there. They wanted to see Utah and Oregon to give them a championship game that is, you know, it's going to be one that should be watched. It's the only one on Friday night. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is exactly what you want. These are the two best teams, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, no, I think you, a, what's crazy is – and here's the cool thing. I think this is a, a great – obviously, it's a great opportunity for Utah, right? You're in the Pac-12 title game, blah, blah, blah. But it is a really important opportunity when you're going against the number two defense in the conference. And I'm pretty – like, this defense – the Oregon defense is pretty stout. Like, they know – uh, I mean, they've been like I think they've almost broken their team record for the most games held at least ten points. I want to say I'm I'm blacking out right now on that number. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've held six opponents under ten points, so that's the most in the nation, um, tied for the most in the nation. So um, they they they've got a really good defense. Um, so this is probably the youth's or will be the youth's strongest test of their offense, right? Because like you said, their offense is pretty – I mean, the youth's offense is darn good. I mean, the yeah. number one rushing offense, number one passing efficiency offense in the Pac-12. So here's the opportunity for the <clears throat> offense to go against a highly touted defense and prove to the nation, prove Mr. Feinbaum out there that the youths are – a good brand of football to watch. Um, and then you have the number one defense sitting behind them, ready to go at the Oregon um, offense, which is, you know, one, I mean, they're pretty much the number two offense in the conference. So, um, yeah, it should be good. I am curious. I don't know if you've, you've looked into this, but where does SP plus have this game as far as rankings? Yeah. It's funny you said that. So I was just looking at it right now. So, um, overall rankings, Utah's ranked seventh in S and P plus, um, and Oregon is ranked nineteenth. Um, but as you're mentioning, offense and defense, where so Utah has, a, has number ten ranked S and P plus offense, and uh, Oregon has um, where'd they go? Twenty uh, fifth. So they're both a twenty five, you know, top twenty five team in both offense teams going at it right now. And then in defense, Utah's number six in S and P or S and P plus. And Oregon 17. So, can I get, kind of give you an idea. Washington, 
who's historically or is known to have a good defense, they have a 28th-ranked defense. So these guys are 11 spots higher. They are higher in defense than both Oklahoma and LSU. So LSU ranks 22nd, and Oklahoma has the 41st-ranked S&P Plus defense. So it's going to be a a good matchup. Um, Overall, both these teams are really efficient in both categories, and it's definitely going to be the – the toughest test that Utah has seen on the defensive side this year. And, and, and their secondary is really good. They have 17 interceptions this year. So, you know, Utah's had their fair share. They have 13, I believe. And, uh, and Oregon has, has created a lot of turnovers on the back end. So you're going to, I'm sure we're going to see a, a heavy dose, especially if the weather reports, which are indicating rain, uh, we're going to probably see a heavy dose, you know, which I think benefits Utah because they can run the ball really well against, uh, in which, I mean, obviously the tough front seven, but they should still be able to run the ball really well. Um, and where in Oregon also has a good running offense, um, but they are going to get the number one run defense in the whole entire country. So it's going to, I think, you know, it's going to be one up front, both on both sides of the ball. Their number one unit on their whole team is their offensive line. Our number one unit is our defensive line. So it's going to be fun to see how they stack up. I think if Utah can can protect and keep Tyler Huntley upright against their defense, I think that's going to be the difference. If if, if they can make sure he's standing up and, and uh, you know, he got a little antsy the last game, getting in, in the pocket and not, uh, looking to run more often than than how he has instead of just stepping up and making that pass. So uh, hopefully they can keep that pocket clean for him, and and uh, I think that's going to be the battle, one of those battles we got to watch. So I'm excited to see. For sure. I mean, look, it, I think Huntley, you know, the early part of that last game, you know, is really when he had the happy feet and was really looking to run more so, and he calmed down throughout that game. I think coming into this one, uh, you know, my understanding from, you know, honestly listening the Utah, the Ute Zone broadcast is that, you know, the Colorado defensive style, and I haven't um, gone back and watched any of their games, uh, or the Oregon game and Colorado games. I haven't gone back the last couple of weeks yet. Um, but their defenses are similar, where they're going to try to stack the inside of the defense, the front line so that you can prevent that inside run, right? Well, now mm-hmm. Utah has seen that, so the offensive line, I think, is going to be more prepared to play against it. You know, Moss is going to be better. Uh, I think now that they've seen it, it's going to be a lot easier for the team to prepare and adjust and, you know, Huntley not to uh, maybe be looking to run as much as he was early on in that Colorado game. I mean, the crazy thing is, like, I try to avoid saying the cliches like the it, the battle in the trenches is going to decide the game. Unfortunately, though, I feel like that's, this this game is about the trenches, right? You've got Oregon's offensive line, which has, like, the most starts in the nation to copy their media guys, like 213 starts. They have the highest-rated offensive lineman in school. And then you add – uh, that they've all been playing so much. There's a lot of experience. This is a really good offensive line. And then uh, anyone listening to the show, if the Utah fan knows that Utah has an amazing defensive line and two amazing linebackers right behind them. And you put the, that offensive line against 
this defensive line, and that's the game right there. Like who, and then vice versa on the defense. So who's going to be hitting the quarterback? Is Herbert going to be taking some hits and get a little bit antsy and, and make some bad decisions, or will it be Huntley? I mean, the other part of this is that Herbert's been losing people he likes to target. I mean, they're um, they're tight end Breland's out for the season. I believe Pittman, their freshman wide receiver's out. Um, you know, they got back uh, a couple uh, a couple guys, but you know, it, Herbert. In my opinion, he just doesn't seem like the quarterback that spreads it out as much as Huntley does. And so uh, I feel like that might come back to bite him in this game when he's going he's, he's going to be feeling pressure. The Utes are going to dial things up and do things to make sure there's pressure on the quarterback. But, you know, what does Herbert do in that situation? I, I mean, this is – you think about it. So Oregon's playing – they're the underdog in this game. Utes are currently favored by six and a half. Uh, so they're playing with a potential chip on their shoulder. Everyone wants to beat a top 10 team. If they win, they're going to the Rose Bowl. Like, there's plenty of reasons for If they Oregon lose, there's a good chance they're going to the Rose Bowl. It's true. They might be in a, a Rose Bowl situation either way. Um, but if there's reasons for them to play and be amped up, and I think this is a big-time Herbert who – is going into the draft. Like, this is a big-time opportunity for him to show the country what he can do. Obviously, he's been doing it at Oregon for a while, but, you know, after the last couple of weeks, he might be hungry to show what he can do uh, yeah. and, and on this on this stage, and here's a great opportunity for him. So, um, not I guess the, the trick is, is I do feel like Utah needs to have, like, a statement game this Friday, and I don't know that they're going to be able to win in a statement game style like they have been doing all season. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think and I think to your point, I don't know. I mean, we've been looking at statement games as, you know, winning by three, four scores in the, you know against these inferior opponents. I don't think they have to necessarily do that. I think they have to win pretty. It can't be like some botched no call or something like that that gives Utah the win. It has to, you know, or like last year's game where it's three to three until there's a weird interception. And that's the only thing that generates points. We can't have a game like that in order for no Utah way. to win and, and get in the playoffs. But I think as long as they play clean football, like I think the committee realizes both these teams are really good. Um, and, uh, and so I'm not too worried about it, but they do have to, they do have to come out and play, their brand of football and they've got to make a statement as far as hey look either we're going to score a lot of points or you know and the thing is is if you can hold this offense to to you know below 20 points i think that will send a statement right if they win 24 to right. you know, 19 or something you know weird like that that'll send a statement because hey this defense is for real they're going up against a good offense one of, like you said uh, a highly rated quarterback um and so and that's that's the thing like you said if if the defense can get pressure on Herbert, that's going to make or break this game because if you give Herbert all day to throw back there, he's going to pick you apart. That's what he does really well. But this both Utah's going to dial up some exotic blitzes. I'm sure Morgan Scally's going to send some stuff that they have not seen on tape. But I know Oregon is a very – when it comes to their spread, they like to get the ball out pretty quickly. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to make sure that he doesn't have to have – six seconds back there in the pocket, it's going to be snap, two steps back, throw. 
and, and so Utah's got to be ready and try to get pressure on them early. Defensive linemen got to get their hands up, maybe bat some balls down. Um, it, it's going to be fun to watch how these coordinators kind of play chess with each other and go back and forth and, and see what adjustments can be made. And Utah's done a really good job of making adjustments, and Oregon has as well. If you look at how they've, how they've gone about in their games, they tend to make a lot of adjustments to uh, when their second half comes around where they, they, they change the way they're, they're playing and they, they start walking away or running away from teams. So, yeah, I don't th- but I don't think there has to be a whole statement win. Uh, I think as long as they can, they can win and win and look good while they're winning, I think that's going to be enough. Yeah, no, I agree. If they look good and they're winning, then they're in. Like, assuming an LSU win over Georgia. Um, exactly. So, that's, that's right. The they, that's, yeah, and, and that's the assumption that we're making, is that LSU should beat Georgia. I sure as hell hope they do. Um, so here's the final thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, well, I guess let's do picks first. So go ahead. What, what are you going to pick for this? Oof, man, I, I should have had something ready. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Utah pulls it off. Um, let's say I, you know, 35, I don't know, 30, oh man, um, 31 to 21. Okay. I, I'm going to get, so you've got them winning. I'm going to go equally, but I'm going to, I think they're going to make a statement with more of a, like a, a 35, 21 win. Um, okay. So either way, we're both off scoring 30. I think they're going to get closer to the average with 35, but uh, we'll see. I really hope that it's a clean game, that it doesn't get like defensive ugly like the Washington-Utah game last year. Um, but So here's the other thing. So Utah's playing on Friday, obviously, and that's in Santa Clara. There's a chance they could be playing a Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and they could also end up playing in – the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona, or um, I'm blanking out, but the other one is Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so, the what? What are your opinions on Utah fans traveling? And and I'm curious to know, like, what I, I just like, what would the expectations be of the program, right? Like, with all this traveling, right? Like, I, the moment I think the game moves to Vegas, if Utah's in the game in Vegas, I think there's going to be a ton of Utah fans at a game in Vegas. Cause that is a, that is not a hard drive from Salt Lake. Uh, a lot of people have family and whatnot and the lodging not crazy expensive and what, all of that. So like, disregard what's going to happen next year, but for this year with the game in Santa Clara and then potentially another major bowl game and then even what would be amazing would be a national title game in um, in the Sugar Bowl. What what or I guess it's not technically the Sugar Bowl, but it's in New Orleans. Uh, what 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 would you do, or what are you going to do versus what do you think is a realistic expectation of fans? Yeah, that's 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 a question I've been going through. <clears throat> excuse me, this whole this whole time. Uh, you know, I was gonna. I kind of for me, I, I in my mind, I could pick one. Um, and so I chose not to do the championship game this week in hopes uh, of going to their bowl game. Um, and so, and I know some people are in the same boat. I know a lot of people who are going to go no matter what, they're going to go this week and they're going to go wherever they're going. Um, for, for me, if it's, if it's a Rose bowl, 
Utah is going to have a huge snow support there because it's it's such an easy trip, right? So close. Right. Um, and 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 you know, I know for a fact if it's Rose Bowl, I'm there. Fiesta Bowl, if they can somehow sneak into that one and get that, I think similar. I think you're going to see a whole bunch of people there. It's a little bit further of a drive. Uh, the drive's not the best, but you know, there's quite, there's a lot of flights in and out to the Phoenix area. Makes it quite easy, right? A lot of local ties, a lot of family, like you mentioned, to Vegas. A lot of stuff going on there. The, the kicker is Atlanta. I I have I think I I'm in the position. I think I'll go if it's in Atlanta. I, no matter what, where they go, as long as it's probably not the Alamo Bowl, which is still not a bad game, but as long as they don't get the Alamo Bowl, I think for me, I'm going no matter where. And so, you know, as far as Utah fans, there's a lot more fans that are probably better off than I am that are going to do it no matter what. And there are some fans that are, you know, it's, I know I talked to someone at the game um, on uh, last week at the Colorado game, and he, we talked about it a little bit. And he said, yeah, I'm not, you know, if it's Rose Bowl, I'm going. If it's Atlanta, I'm not. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who can't do it. And, and uh, but I mean, it's one of those things to me that it's like, Rose Bowl or a playoff, those things don't come around very, you know, very often. So I'm going to try, you know, if I have to take out a loan or whatnot, I'm going to try to make it work and, and go to it. I didn't go to the Sugar Bowl. I went to the Fiesta Bowl, didn't go to the Sugar one. And so, you know, I want to make sure I'm there to experience it in person and say I was there. Now, that's the question. If they win, if they somehow win their first round game, if they make it to the playoffs, the championship, I can't do that. I can't do both. Because that's down in New Orleans. So, yeah, expectations. I think we'll have a good turnout either place. It's probably going to be a lot better if it's in the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl. That's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing some projections that if if Ohio State uh, hangs at the number one spot, if, they, if they're number one, that they would go to I, – I mean, because apparently number one gets to choose in essence. So if you're mm-hmm. Ohio State – State, right? LSU would choose Atlanta no matter what. If you're Ohio State, what would you choose? Because Atlanta isn't. That's a, that's some traveling too. They're both travel, right? Yeah, it, I think yeah. it depends so, on their opponent. If it's Georgia, there's no way in hell that they're going to Atlanta, right? They're going to right. They're going to Phoenix. If right, but if it's Utah, I mean that gives Utah the advantage because they're. But I, you know. Ohio State fans travel well, so oh yeah, they're not... high, huge fan base. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know what I would do if I was Ohio State going against Utah, right? Like Atlanta, like hands down, you're getting, you're you're not not getting nearly as much of a Utah representation, right? Yeah. But also, you, Ohio State's got such a huge fan base that I don't know that it matters where they're at. They're going to have a ton of fans in the stands. Yeah. So I, I think as long yeah, as they're not know. going up against someone in that Southeastern Conference or, so, you know, Clemson or or Georgia or LSU, they would get a big fan, more fans out into Georgia than, than maybe Ohio State does. Um, right. But, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I wish that they kind of made it. I know that they want to give the, the one seed the advantage but I wish that they would look at it from a standpoint of let's see where we could get the most from each fan base. And if it's right. Ohio State and Utah, I wish they'd just say, all right, we're going to go Phoenix because Atlanta makes sense for both LSU and Clemson. They're both right there. You know what I mean? So I wish yeah. that's how they did it. I get why they don't. But, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. 
Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I'm probably sadly not going to be attending um, either year with certain things that have been going on with either games. I'm, I'm definitely not attending Friday and most likely not going to be able to swing it for uh, whatever first round or Rose Bowl. Um, but, man, I might be willing to go into debt for a national title game. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny to it's, like, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that'd be tough. Because I, I like yourself. So I went to the Sugar Bowl, not the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and that Sugar Bowl was amazing. It, I mean, you just, that was awesome. I mean, obviously the outcome had a big part of it. New Orleans is a great city to go to visit. Um, like, there's a, a lot of good things to do. And so if they're in that national title game, I wouldn't mind going back to New Orleans, you know, 11 years out this year. Yeah, because it would be 2020. So 11 years after the Sugar Bowl win to go witness a national title game. Uh, if the youth can get there, I that's hard to say no to, in my opinion. Yep, but, it is. Um, especially because I, I think Rose Bowl is going to become a lot more regular. I don't think that's like – out of the like, I think that's going to be more reg- a, a much more regular scenario for Utah fans. CFP is is not. That's probably not going to be a regular outcome. No. And if they make it to a national title game by some chance, which none of the odds have them doing that, that is like a once in a lifetime kind of deal. So um, you you gotta. You, I think Utah fans will have to show up for that. But but even I'll say this. The Rose Bowl is no gimme. I mean, you look at the, with the exceptions of the USC and the Oregon's of the world, you know, like look at Arizona State. Like, they've gone to the Rose Bowl in 1996. They went in 1986. And that's it. Like, they don't, like, it, I'd love to say it would come around and I think Utah has a better chance at it for sure, but I mean, they just, they don't come around very often. So, you know, it's just unless you're one of those powerhouses, it's you know to me how that's dare, why I'm like I how dare I you just say Utah's a powerhouse. Hey you, when you listen to this podcast you get unbiased opinions. <laughs> so that's what you're getting. Okay. So which is not true I because I have totally biased. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have it on there. I'm I'm trying to live that. I know you might not try to live it. I'm trying to live it. You know what I mean? So you're getting unbiased opinions here from Utah fans. We see it without the, the red goggles, which is not true. We definitely see it with the red goggles. But for this moment in time, you're getting it. I'm you're no, getting it I'm unbiased. No, I'm no Austin Collie. I don't live my life right on and off the field to get uh, get magic to happen. But <laughs> I'll say this. It's, it's, it is a – I think the youth are much closer to being a regular Rose Bowl team than anyone else in this conference outside. I can agree with that. Like you mentioned, USC, Oregon, like those teams are regulars. Like it's not, I mean, the way they're, they're recruiting, you can almost slide Washington into that with their recruiting level. I don't know how the, um, the Chris Peterson news impacts that, but with their blue chip ratio, like the talent is there. So it's just a matter of the coaching and the, you know, that's obviously the actual games that they play. But I think Utah is consistent enough and has enough of a ground and foundation that I would not 
be surprised at all if they became a more uh, more regular team. They now have more division South division titles than anyone else in the South since the Pac-12 with three. And yeah. so they, they're going to the Pac-12 title game. So it's just a matter of time as it becomes more and more consistent that they go there. So I, I can uh, agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. All right. Well, we've talked plenty. Look, everyone's stoked for the game on Friday. I just wish time could go a little bit faster so that game could get here sooner and we could all enjoy and just cheer on the youths. Um, but we'll have to wait as patiently as we can. Luckily tonight there is a basketball game we can watch um, and have that help carry us to the game on Friday, uh, hopefully celebrating a win. But until next time, go youths. Thanks for listening to You Talk. Brought to you by the Torn by Sports and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Find us on Twitter at You Talk Podcast or email at utalk at gmail.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.